Shalom and welcome, everybody. We are Between the River and the Ravens. Great to have you. We are going to be finishing up the third book of Maccabees, a short read this evening, chapters five through seven, but nonetheless, powerful word. Mm -hmm. We are going to be reading out of the Sefer translation, and you can get that at sefer.net. Although it is not available on eSword, the Maccabees are not part of that. So we are going to be showing the Britain Septuagint up on the screen for you to follow and read along with us. So mm -hmm. let's get going. We hope this let's is a blessing. It. Shalom. Chapter 5. Then he called Shimron, who had charge of the elephants, full of rage, altogether fixed in his furious design. He commanded him with a quantity of unmixed wine and handfuls of incense infused to drug the elephants early on the following day. These 500 elephants were, when infuriated by the copious draughts of frankincense, to be led up to the execution of death upon the Yahudim. The king, after issuing these orders, went to the, his feasting and gathered together all those of his friends and of the army who hated the Yahudim the most. The master of the elephants, Shimon, fulfilled his commission punctually. The underlings appointed for the purpose went out about evening and about the hands of the miserable victims and took other precautions for their security at night thinking that the whole race would perish together the heathen believed the yahudim to be destitute of all protection for chains fettered about them they invoked el shaddai yahuwah and ceaselessly besought with tears their merciful elohim and Father, ruler of all, Yahuwah of every power, to overthrow the evil purpose which was gone out against them, and to deliver them by extraordinary manifestation from that death which was in store for them. Their litany so earnest went up to heaven. Then Shirman, who had filled his merciless elephants with copious draughts of mingled wine and frankincense, came early to the palace to certify the kind thereof. He, however, who has sent his good creature sleep from all time, by night or by day, thus gratifying whom he wills, diffused a portion thereof now upon the king. By this sweet and profound influence of Yahuwah, he was held fast, and thus his unjust purpose was quite frustrated, and his unflinching resolve greatly falsified. Mm. 
But the Yahudim, having escaped the hour which had been fixed, praised their holy Elohim, and again prayed him who is easily reconciled to display the power of his powerful hand to the overweening other people. The middle of the tenth hour had well nigh arrived when the master bidder, seeing the guests who were bidden collected, came and shook the king. He gained his attention with difficulty and hinted that the mealtime was getting past, talked the matter over with him. The king listened to this and then, turning aside to his potations, commanded the guests to sit down before him. This done, he asked them to enjoy themselves and indulge in myrrh at this somewhat late hour of the banquet. Conversation grew on, and the king sent for Sherman and inquired of him with fierce denunciations why the Yahudim had been allowed to outlive that day. Sherman explained that he had done his bidding overnight and in this he was confirmed by his friends. The king then, with a barbarity exceeding that of Polaris, said that they might thank his sleep of that day, lose no time, and get ready the elephants again tomorrow, as you did before, for the destruction of these accursed Yahudim. When the king said this, the company present were glad and approved, and then each man went to his own home, nor did they employ the night in sleep, so much as in contriving cruel mockeries for those deemed miserable. The morning cock had just crowed, and Hermon, having harnessed the brutes, was stimulating them in the great colonnade. The city crowds were collected together to see the hideous spectacle and waited impatiently for the dawn. The Yahudim, breathless with momentary suspense, stretched forth their hands and prayed Elohim Hagadol in mournful strains again to help them speedily. The sun's rays were not yet shed abroad, and the king was waiting for his friends when Hermon came to him, calling him out and saying, that his desires could now be realized. The king receiving him was astonished at his unwanted exit and overwhelmed with a ruach of oblivion above everything, inquired the object of his earnest preparation. But this was the working of what El Shaddai, who had made him forget all his purpose. Hermon and all his friends pointed out the preparation of the animals. They are ready, O king, according to your own strict injunction. The king was filled with fierce anger at these words, for by the providence of Elohim regarding these things, his mind had become entirely confused. He looked hard at Hermon and threatened him as follows. Your parents or your children, were they here? To these wild beasts, a large repast they should have furnished, not these innocent Yahudim, who me and my forefathers loyally have served. Had it not been for familiar friendship and the claims of your office, your life should have gone for theirs. Hermon, being threatened in this unexpected and alarming manner, 
was troubled in visage and depressed in countenance. The friends, too, stole out one by one and dismayed and assembled multitudes to their respective occupations. The Yahudim, having heard of these events, praised the glorious Elohim and King of Kings because they had attained this help, too, from him. Now the king arranged another banquet after the same manner and proclaimed an invitation to mirth. And he summoned Hermon to his presence and said with threats, How often, O wretch, must I repeat my orders to you about these same persons? Once more, arm the elephants against the morrow for the extermination of the Yahudim. His kinsmen who were reclining with him wondered at his instability and thus expressed themselves. O king, how long do you make trial of us as of men bereaved of reason? This is the third time that you have ordered their destruction. When the thing is to be done, you change your mind and recall your instructions. For this cause, the feeling of expectation causes tumult in the city. It swarms with factions and is continually on the point of being plundered. The king, just like another followers, a prey to thoughtlessness, made no account of the changes which his own mind had undergone. Issuing in the deliverance of the Yahudim, he swore a fruitless oath and determined forthwith to send them to Sheol, crushed by the knees and feet of the elephants. He would also invade Yahuda and level its towns with fire and the sword and destroy that temple which the heathen might not enter and prevent sacrifices ever after being offered up there. Joyfully, his friends broke up together with his kinsmen and trusting in his determination, arranged their forces in guard at the most convenient places of the city. And the master of the elephants urged the beast into it, an almost manacle state, drenched them with incense and wine, and decked them with frightful instruments. About early morning, when the city was now filled with an immense number of people at the Hippodrome, he entered the palace and called the king to the business in hand. The king's heart teemed with impious rage, and he rushed forth with the mass along with the elephants, with feelings unsoffited and eyes pitless, he longed to gaze at the hard and wretched doom of the above-mentioned Yahudim. But the Yahudim, when the elephants went out at the gate, followed by the armed force, and when they saw the dust raised by the throng and heard the loud cries of the crowd, thought that they had come to the last moment of their lives, to the end of what they had trembling expected they gave way therefore to lamentations and moans they kissed each other those nearest of kin to each other hung about one another's necks fathers about their sons mothers their daughters other women held their infants to their breast which drew what seemed their last milk nevertheless when they reflected upon the help before granted them from heaven they prostrated themselves with one accord, removing even the suckling children from the breast, and sent up an exceedingly great cry, entreating Yah, Yahuwah 
of all power to reveal himself and have mercy upon those who now lay at the gates of Sheol. Chapter 6 And Eleazar, an illustrious priest of the country, who had attained to length of day and whose life had been adorned with virtue, caused the presbyters who were about him to cease to cry out to the holy Elohim and prayed thus, O King, mighty in power, El Elyon, El Shaddai, who regulates the whole creation with your tender mercy, look upon the seed of Abraham, upon the children of the sanctified Yaakov, your sanctified inheritance. O Father, now being wrongfully destroyed as strangers in a strange land, you destroyed Pharaoh with his host of chariots, when that Adonai of this same Mitzrayim was uplifted with toilless hardihood and loud-sounding tongue, shedding the beams of your mercy upon the race of Yasharel, you did overwhelm him with his proud armory, army. When Kenchariv, the grievous king of Ashur, glorifying in his countless hosts, had subdued the whole land with his spear, and was lifting himself against your holy city with boastings grievous to, to be endured. You, O Yahweh, did demolish him and did show forth your might to many nations. When the three friends in the land of Babel of their own will exposed their lives to the fire rather than serve vain things, you did send a dewy coolness through the fiery furnace and bring the fire upon all their adversaries. It was you who, when Daniel was hurled through slander and envy as a prey to lions down below, did bring him back against unhurt to light. When Yonah was pining away in the belly of the sea-bred monster, you did look upon him, O Father, and recover him to the sight of his own. And now you who hate insolence, you who do abound in mercy, you who are the protector of all things, appear quickly to those of the race of Yasharel who are insulted by the abhorred and twirless other people. If our life has during our exile been stained with iniquity, deliver us from the hand of the enemy. And destroy us, O Yahweh, by the death which you prefer. Let not the vain-minded congratulate vain idols at the destruction of your beloved, saying, Neither did their Elohim deliver them. You, who are omnipotent, and El Shaddai, O Eternal One, behold, have mercy upon us who are being withdrawn from life like traitors by the unreasoning insolence of toilless men. Let the heathen cower before your invincible might today, O glorious one, who have all power to save the race of Yaakov. The whole band of infants and their parents with tears beseech you. Let it be shown to all nations that you are with us, O Yahweh, and have not turned your face away from us. But as you said that you would not forget them even in the land of their enemies, so do you fulfill this saying, O Yahweh. Now at that time, Eleazar had ended his prayer. The king came along to the Hippodrome with a wild beast and with his tumultuous power. 
When the Yahudim saw this, they uttered a loud cry to heaven so that the adjacent valleys resounded and caused an irrepressible lamentation throughout the army. Then the all-glorious, omnipotent, and true Elohim displayed his holy countenance and opened the gates of heaven, from which two angels, dreadful of form, came down and were visible to all but the Yahudim. And they stood opposite and filled the enemy's host with confusion and cowardice and bound them with immovable fetters. And a cold shudder came over the person of the king and oblivion paralyzed the vehemence of his ruach. They turned back the animals upon the armed forces which followed them and the animals trod them down and destroyed them. The king's wrath was converted into compassion and he wept at his own machinations. For when he heard the cry and saw them all on the verge of destruction, With tears, he angrily threatened his friends, saying, Ye have governed badly and have exceeding tyrants and cruelty. And me, your benefactor, you have labored to deprive at once of my dominion and my life by secretly devising measures injurious to the kingdom. Who is gathered here unreasonably, removing each from his home, those who in fidelity to us had held the fortresses of the country? Who has thus consigned to unmerited punishments those who in goodwill towards us from the beginning have in all things surpassed all nations and who often have engaged in the most dangerous undertakings? Loose, loose the unjust unjust bonds. Send them to their homes in peace and deprecate what has been done. Release the sons of El Shaddai, living Elohim of heaven, who from our ancestors' time until now has granted a glorious and uninterrupted prosperity to our affairs. These things he said, and they released the same moment. Having now escaped death, praised Elohim, their holy Savior. The king then departed to the city and called his financier to him and bade him provide a seven days quantity of wine and other materials for fist feasting for the Yahudim. He decided that they should keep a gladsome feast of deliverance in the very place in which they expected to meet with their destruction. Then they who were before despised and nigh unto Sheol, yea, rather advanced into it, partook of the cup of Yeshua instead of grievous and lamentable death full of exultation, they parted out of the place intended for their fall and burial into banqueting booths. Ceasing their miserable strain of woe, they took up the subject of their fatherland, hymning in praise Elohim, their wonder-working Savior. All groans and all wailing were laid aside. They formed dances in token of serene joy. So as the king collected a number of guests for the occasion and returned unceasing thanks with much magnificence for the unexpected deliverance afforded him, those who had marked them out as for death and for Carion and had registered them with joy howled aloud and were clothed with shame and had the fire of their rage ingloriously put out. 
But the Yahudim, as we just said, instituted a dance and then gave themselves up to feasting, glad thanksgivings, and psalms. They made a public ordinance to commemorate these things for generations to come, as long as they should be sojourners. They thus established these days as days of myrrh, not for the purpose of drinking or luxury, but because Elohim had saved them. They requested the king to send them back to their homes. They were being enrolled from the 25th of Pachon to the 4th of Epiphy, a period of 40 days. The measures taken for their destruction lasted from the 5th of Epiphy until the 7th. That is three days. The ruler over all did during this time manifest forth his mercy gloriously and did deliver them altogether unharmed. They feasted upon the king's provision up to the 14th day and then asked to be sent away. The king commended them and wrote that subjoined sephir of magnanimous import for them to the commanders of every city. Chapter 7 King Ptolemy Philopater to the commanders throughout Mitzrayim and to all who are set over affairs, joy, and strength. We, too, and our children are well, and Elohim has directed our affairs as we wish. Certain of our friends did of malice vehemently urge us to punish the Yahudim of our realm in a body with the infliction of a monstrous punishment. They pretended that our affairs would never be in a good state Till this took place. Such, they said, was the hatred borne by the Yahudim to all other people. They brought them fetid in grievous chains as slaves, nay, as traitors. Without inquiry or examination, they endeavored to annihilate them. They buckled themselves with a savage cruelty, worse than Scythian custom. For this cause we severely threaten them, yet with the clemency which we are wont to extend to all men. We at length permitted them to live, finding the Elohim of heaven cast a shield of protection over the Yahudim so as to guard them, and that he fought for them as a father always fights for his sons. And taking into consideration their con. Cons constancy and fidelity towards us and towards our ancestors, we have, as we ought, acquitted them of every sort of charge, and we have dismissed them to their several homes, bidding all men everywhere to do them no wrong or unrighteously revile them about the past. For we, for know ye that should we conceive any evil design or in any way aggrieve them, we shall ever have as our opposite, not man, but the highest Elohim, the ruler of all might. For him there will be no escape as the avenger of such deeds. Fare ye well. When they had received this sephir, they were not forward to depart immediately, 
they petition the king to be allowed to inflict fitting punishment upon those of their race who had willingly transgressed the holy Elohim and the Torah of Elohim. They allege that men who had for their belly's sake transgressed the ordinance of Elohim would never be faithful to the interests of the king. The king admitted the truth of this reasoning and commended them. Full power was given them without warrant or special commission to destroy those who had transgressed the Torah of Elohim boldly in every part of the king's dominions. Their priest then, as it was meet, saluted him with good wishes, and all the people echoed with the hallelujah. Then they joyfully departed. Then they punished and destroyed with ignominy every polluted Yahudi that fell in their way, slaying thus in that day above three hundred men, and esteeming this destruction of the wicked a season of joy. They themselves, having held fast their Elohim unto death, and having enjoyed a full deliverance, departed from the city, garlanded with sweet-flowered wreaths of every kind, uttering exclamations of joy with songs of praise, and melodious hymns they thanked the Elohim of their fathers, the eternal Savior of Yasharel. Having arrived at Akko, called from the specialty of that district, Rose Bearing, where the fleet, in accordance with the general wish, waited for them seven days. They partook of a banquet of deliverance, for the king generously granted them severally the means of securing a return home, severely the means of a securing a return home. They were accordingly brought back in peace while they gave utterance to becoming thanks, and they determined to keep these days during their sojourn as days of joyfulness. These are they registered as sacred upon a pillar when they had dedicated the place of this festivity to be one of prayer. They departed unharmed, free, abundant in joy, preserved by the king's command by land, by sea, and by river, each to his own home. They had more weight than before among their enemies and were honored and feared, and no one in any way robbed them of their goods. Every man received back his own according to inventory, those who had obtained their goods, giving them up with the greatest terror. For the great Elohim wrought with perfect perfectness wonders for their Yeshua, blessed by the Redeemer of Yasharel unto everlasting. Amen. All right, that concludes the third book of Maccabees. What a wonder-working Savior we do have, and we can see that all throughout these stories. It's a shame that these are not included in the typical Bible, the 66 canon, but you can start to see why it was left out. And we're just so thankful we have these to share with you. We hope it's a blessing and we will see you tomorrow evening when we start the fourth book. Shalom. Shalom. Day and night and night and day, the living creature.
Yahweh. 